chapter number 3. Daniel chapter number 3. We was in this study last week, and we went a little ways in it, and then we uh, got out of the we got out of the fiery furnace, and we just touched it a little bit, but we didn't do a whole lot with it. And I'm going to go back and look back at some other things that God showed me in this chapter, and I probably won't finish it tonight, but we'll get what we can. I do thank God tonight for every single one of you. It's here. The Bible said we're two or three gathered together. My name there I am in the midst. That's what he does. And he meets with us. And uh, sometimes people say to me, well, the church is small. And, amen. Well, I, got to, I lifted the statistics today. I give you some facts. Right now we have 1,368 sermons on sermon audio. 1,368 sermons. That's a lot of sermons. That's been over a period of time. And uh, this is the fifth day of the month. And out of the last five days, we've had over 60 a day listened to. And while you're sleeping at night, amen, and while I'm sleeping at night, people are listening to us. And this has just been since... Saturday, uh, and looking at it, there's been uh, out of 1,368 sermons, been uh, 23 states and 13 countries. So, amen. You think we have a small congregation, you just kind of miss fool there. We got a good crowd. Amen. And they're listening, and I appreciate that. And uh, for them, out of 13 countries and 23 states in five days is pretty good. It's over 60 a day. That's listening to what we're preaching. And I appreciate God for that. And so that's probably a bigger outreach in any church in the county. Stop to think about that a minute. I ain't talking about 60 every service. I'm talking about 60 a day. Amen. And the day ain't through today till midnight, so we probably get some more than that. And that's an average when we look at it. So I appreciate that tonight. I give God the glory, the praise, and the honor. And I got to looking. You remember a few years ago I was teaching the book of 1 Timothy, 15-minute messages, putting them on sermon audio. Some of you probably never listened to them or never heard them because I, I preached them in spots here in the church. And, uh, but they're on there. You can hear them. And there's a hundred and, I don't know, 150 or 60 of them, I think. And that was just 15 minutes. Never got out of the first chapter, 15 minutes long. And, uh, those have been, uh, heard and listened to five, over 500 times in the last two or three years. And I think, praise God, that's pretty good. They're liking that. And so I appreciate what God gives us. I was at the, uh, McDonald's this morning and I come in and little lady cleans the place. She come running over to me and she says, hey, preacher. I said, how are you doing? She said, she's the one that's upset about the country. And I reached my pocket and got a, a book and I said, here, read some of this right here. And she said, oh, I got, some, I got that. I said, you ain't got this one. But I've got a bunch of these. And she looked at it. And she said, oh, I want the ones on prophecy. And I said, help yourself. And I pulled out every one of them on prophecy and gave it to her. 
And uh, so she's got them. She said, thank you, preacher. I can't see you later. And I said, all right. So we're getting some response, and I appreciate that tonight. And uh, you, when you ain't thinking about it, it's still happening. I just don't brag about it, don't say anything about it. You say it, and then people said, well, he's just bragging on himself. No, I'm not. This is for when I'm gone. That's what I preach these for, to help somebody when I'm gone. If you can do anything for God, you better put it up so they can do it on you when, when you're gone. Amen. I do what I can, but there's a coming a time when I can't. I want to be on the other side shouting it out while they're trying to get saved down here. Amen. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse number 8. I'm going to deal with some things. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to pray that God will give us wisdom and understanding. I'm going to try to give this as a practical thing. The Word of God is not thrown out here in front of us to just wave us down the road and for us to look at it and say we've read it. Matter of fact, the older I get, I don't care where you read it or not. Now you say, listen, I don't like that statement. I want you to study it. You can read it three, four times a year. Matter of fact, you can read it uh, four chapters a day and read it in seven or eight months. So if you read more than four chapters a day and you can do that, amen. I'm not going to ask you how many chapters you read a day. I'm not going to embarrass you. Amen. But you ought to read at least eight or ten chapters. I'm saying that's honest truth. You ought to do it. Amen. I'll tell you right now, we ought to read it. It's the best book in the world. Found nothing any better. I've looked the world over and can't find anything any better than this book. Amen. The Sears and Roebuck catalog won't help you. Newspaper might inform you on some things, but it'll lead you astray. It won't tell you the truth. Every time you pick this up, you get the truth. So we ought to read it. I, how many has read the Bible and it's hurt you? I mean, hey, if the Word of God has done you wrong and hadn't instructed you right, just tell us about it. We want to know. Amen. Would you recommend the Bible to anybody in the world? Amen. I even recommend it to the devil. If he gets in it, he gets saved, and we wouldn't have no trouble. Amen. He knows it. That's the reason he keeps you out of it. In Daniel chapter number 3, verse number 8, he said, Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans, I didn't mention this too much, maybe a time or two, but the Chaldeans... And the Babylonians are the same. Sometimes they're called Chaldeans. Sometimes they're called Babylonians. But they're the same. They came near, it said. I want you to look at that comma. And it says, and accused the Jews. There's two statements. You know I always mention this, or not always, but lots of times. Let me just throw something to you. I'm not an English professor. I failed English. English, I despised it. Don't like it today either. 
I guess that's the reason I destroy the king's English. And uh, every one of us can't speak English right. Especially as hillbillies down here in the south. You go up north and they think they know how to say it better. You go overseas and they, they don't even call it English for us. I've been in the Holy Land and different places like that. And they say, you don't speak English. I said, what I speak? And he said, you speak hillbilly English. I said, I may be, but that's right. I was at a, at a motel and uh, uh, the fella said something and I said, that's backwards. He said, that's what? I said, that's backwards. He said, uh, 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 spell that please. I said, B-A-C-K-W-A-R-D-S. He said, oh, backwards, yes. I said, he said, you don't speak English. I said, what I speak? He said, hillbilly English. So I'm saying, we don't even know how to talk English. And uh, I failed English. But looking at this tonight, in verse number 8, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near. I study my Bible by punctuation. I'm hoping I'm trying to train you to do that. It'll work if you ever get a hold of it. But it's hard to figure it out. Now comma, what do you got a comma for? A comma's telling you that there's something else coming near. It sometimes has got an and, an r, and things like that. Or nor, or something. And that means that you're not at the end of the sentence. There's more to come on the same subject. You got it? Now if it's got three commas, four commas in a sentence, or in this place, it means it's continuing on. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. Now at that point it's got a period. You know what a period is? That's a stop sign at the end of the sentence. That's it. You don't have no more. This is it. Uh, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. Period. Subject changes. Stops there. Then it said... They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, comma. That means there's some more coming. And he's got a, a capital letter behind it. O king, live forever. Period. Stop. Now we got two complete sentences in two complete verses. Then we go to verse number 10. Thou, comma, more to come. O king, comma, has made a decree, comma, that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, comma, flute, comma, harp, comma, sackbut, comma, psaltery, comma, and dulcimer, comma, and all kinds of music, comma, shall fall down and worship the golden image. Now do you see the next thing there? A colon. What's that mean? That means it's not done. It's got a double period stop, but we're going to continue. You got it? Now that's how you interpret your scriptures. And that's why they're put there. Now the original transcripts didn't have that, but I believe God put that in there in the mind of him to let us know how to study our Bible. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, comma, 
that he should be cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Now, suppose we come in a in a in a, a verse, and it's got a what we call a semicolon. A semicolon is a period and a comma under it. Now, what is that? It's a stop and a go ahead together. Slow down is what it is. It's the it's the caution. When you see a semicolon, God ain't stopped. He just telling you to slow down and keep a going. You understand that? All right. It's like a yield sign. All right. So I've got got your education on that. We won't get into more. And then you just kind of look at the little different things. I want to go back at verse 8. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and what's that word right there? Accused. Now you can be accused and not be guilty. You can be guilty and be accused. But these boys, and I want to tell you something, if you live like these fellows live, if your life was like these three Hebrew children right here, you would be accused. And the reason I say that is because the devil, he's always trying to accuse the brethren. We're the brethren. The devil can't stand it when you're doing right. He can't stand it when you're walking straight. He can't stand it when you're speaking right, talking right, walking right, living right. So what can the devil do to stop me from doing my job? What can the devil do that can slow me down and stop me in the pathway so that I won't glorify God with my voice, my body, and my mind, and my soul? So he sets out to do one thing, and that's why he accuses the brethren. If the world starts accusing us, and the unbeliever goes to accusing us, and I want you to know, if you do anything for, for God, the devil's going to be around accusing you. He's going to be there. The only thing about it is today, you want to make sure that what he accuses you of is not uh, against God. In other words, you don't want to be guilty. They stand up and accuse you and say, I caught him in a lie. You don't want that. Now let me just talk about this tonight. I don't even know why I got on to this subject. But let's just talk about verse 8. There's not only people who accuse you, but uh, there's, and they're critical. When they accuse you for doing something for God, that's critical. Now there's another word tonight. Somebody said, I hear the saints of God accusing me sometimes. Sometimes you're guilty. Sometimes the word of God accuses me. And God knows I'm guilty. And God puts the word of God out there. But let's remember two words that we need to keep in our mind is being critical that I don't want to be, and sometimes I am. You are too. But 
I want to be vigilant. There's a difference between critical and vigilant. The Bible says that we're to be vigilant, sober, and vigilant. Keeping our eyes on Satan. Not that we're going to follow him, but to make sure he ain't going to trample us. We're living in a day to day that people don't watch for the devil. We don't look for the devil. If it sounds right, we get involved in it. If it looks right, we get involved in it. Uh, the devil can say what he wants to, and we'll swallow, especially if he wraps it up with a halo of religion. And it's done by a church or done by a preacher or done by a religious system. You follow me? But God teaches me that I'm not to follow everything I see and I'm not to listen to everything I hear and I'm not to get involved with things that are contrary to the Word of God. So I've got to be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's why so many church folks fall for everything and get in it. If they can just say, well, let's just do this. I don't see anything wrong with it. You better search your scriptures. You don't want to get against God and you don't want to get away from God. This Bible is what you're... Listen, if you're saved by the grace of God... It is your duty to get the place that you know what God says. You said, I don't know what the God, what the world uh, uh, and, the, and the devil says about the word, and I don't know what God means about the word. You better leave that alone. Till you know. Are you with me tonight? Amen. The devil says, This is all right. And churches swallow it. You know why we got abortion tonight like we've got it? Because church members, preachers, churches up and down our country and religious leaders and righteous people so-called allowed it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You know why we got alcohol so prominent in our land? You know why we've got alcohol sold about everywhere? Because church people allowed it. Church folks sitting on Baptist churches today said, it's all right to take a social drink. Well, show me the Bible. Amen. Well, preacher, the Bible said a little wine is good for the stomach's sake. Well, you try that. And I'll tell you right now, your victory will die. Suppose, amen. <laughs> I remember this. Let me tell you. I had a fellow, and I think I said this in one of the messages I preached just lately. And uh, I said this, and they said something about, uh, you know, wine in one of the churches. And, they said to me, said, uh, it says a little wine's good for the stomach's sake. And I had a, had a man in the church, 
And he thought that, uh, you know, he'd been in about everywhere he'd been in the churches that had communion. And when he did, he, they had uh, fermented wine. They did. A lot of you churches do that. And I said, you can't do that. He said, oh, it ain't, no, it ain't wine if it ain't got a kick to it. That's what he said. I said, let me tell you something. It, 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 that's the fruit of the vine. And you've got to stay away from that stuff. Suppose you've got a church member that was a drunkard. He got saved. He's off of what you think that's going to do to him in the communion. I went to, to a communion service, and when I did, took one of my ladies in the church, me and my Audrey and her, went over to the place, and I knew we was in trouble when we got there because we was going to sing right after the service when they had communion, not communion, but it's going to have dinner on the ground, and then there's going to have communion. And the preacher looked over at one of the deacons and he said, can you find me that scripture about the communion? I said, what have I got myself into? What would you think if I come in here and had communion and I said, Brother Virgil, where's them scriptures at now about that communion? What would you think? You say, does he know what he's doing? Well, he said, Brother Dills, we're going to get you to help us with this communion. Well, if I'd have known what was going on, I would not have volunteered. He kind of incorporated me. So they brought the table out, put it in there. and uh, I'm a sitting at the table. They come over and put the bread, and undone it, and set it there. And I'm a sitting there with two or three men and the pastor too. And... Uh, then they brought the juice out. I thought it was juice. And when they pulled the cover off, I knew this was not fruit of the vine. It had a kick to it in my nostrils. And I'm looking back at my wife and I'm looking at that lady. And I'm going. And I'll just says, you know, that's. And uh, then she turned around to Miss Hawk and said, uh, she said, Miss Hawk, you just have to know her. <laughs> and uh, so here they give it out, give out the bread, nothing wrong with the bread. And then they give out the cup and when they give it, I wouldn't take it. And they gave it to everybody else. I had my time, I was young, real young. I'd never seen this before. And, or I wouldn't even touched it. I didn't touch it. But I'm talking about I wouldn't have stayed. I'd have got up and walked out. But they went around. And so Audrey, she got hers and held it there. And Miss Hawk got hers. And she just reached down in her pocketbook and got a napkin. Sopped it up in it and stuck it down in it and put it down in her pocketbook. And uh, so we went through that. And I didn't, first time I'd ever seen that. And it was a Baptist church. Can you believe that? How many has ever seen Baptist church do that? Oh, you have, huh? Amen. All right.
So I'm telling you, I didn't know anything the first time I'd ever seen that in my life. But God teaches us to be sober, to be vigilant. And we are to pick up on that. Don't let nobody, I don't care if it's a preacher, a pope. Of course, around the pope, he's going to be drunk. Somewhere before the day's out. Amen. But I'm saying to you tonight, got to be careful. We uh, I've seen things like that first first communion I'd ever been to outside the church that I was raised in was over in uh, Dahlonega. I just went to church that morning and they was going to have a communion when it was done and the pastor preached. I'm sitting on the very front row right there. And they had what they call closed, well not closed communion, but you know how we use the little individual cups? Now I don't know where any of you have been there or not, but this is one of them old-fashioned churches where they don't have but one cup. Anybody ever been to one that's just got a one cupper? Ah, oh, Miss Suell, you've been up and down the trail too, hadn't you? Amen. And, uh, they poured that cup full of the grape juice. It wasn't fermented. And they brought it to... Just thank God, I was the first one served. <laughs> and uh, they took the bread. They let you do it individually. I took the bread and drunk the cup. Come to the second one, they took the bread and they took the cup. Now, I don't know what happened when it got to the back but they was taking it out of one cup. You ever, ever seen that, anybody, besides Miss Sue L? I wouldn't do that either. And you said, well, that's Bible. Well, prove it to me. I like the individual cups myself. And then in another communion we had, first time I had communion in the second church I pastored, <laughs> You see lots of things. We had our table set out there and we got it all. We fed everybody and took the cup and you know, took the bread, blessed it all together. And when service was over, I went to the back. I went to the back to shake hands with everybody. And uh, they had about 10, 15 kids in there. And we just left the table uncovered. You notice now we'll cover the table back up and all that. I didn't know that. I'm standing back there and I look up there and there's 10 or 15 kids around there trying to drink up the rest of the grape juice. They're up there taking that. And I seen it and I said, wait, whoa, whoa, stop it, stop it. That's sacred. But they didn't know any better. Have you ever seen that? Amen. You don't, uh, amen. I never drink anything comes off the table after that. We, we dispose of it. Because it's, it don't, and then of course you got others that believe that that cup actually becomes the blood of Christ. And they believe that that bread becomes the body of Christ. That's what Roman Catholicism teaches. 
And so they take that. So you got closed communion and you got open communion. Now, which one do we do here? Anybody know? Huh? Open. We have open communion. That means whether you're a visitor or not, if you're saved by the grace of God, you can take that cup. Amen. Closed communion means it's just a little certain few. And so, why am I on this? But here, let's go back to verse 8. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They accused them. Now, you say, what's that matter? Did you not separate that when you seen it? Where are these fellows? They're in Babylonia. They're in Babylon. The Babylons are Chaldeans. They're Gentiles. This is the people of God in a Gentile land. You see that? It's a type of a Christian that's among lost people. That's what it's a type of. And when you look at this tonight, God is trying to tell us that we, and they will accuse us. They'll accuse us of being, if we live in right, they'll accuse us of being a holy roller or holier than thou. They'll accuse you of being uh, too good for your own britches. They'll accuse you of stepping out of line and they'll accuse you. Have you ever seen people, and I see it all the time, I say something about what, is right and what's wrong out in the public. Of course, you can say it in the church and do the same thing. But out in the public, you can say things. And uh, you mean the, and you know what they're doing? You're judging me. Have you ever been told that you're judging them? Huh? If, they, if you hadn't been told that you're judging them, you're not witnessing for God. You tell them that they're lost and on their way to hell and they're going to the devil's hell and they without God and they need Jesus, you're judging me. Try it. Get you a handful of literature and put it in your pocket and start passing out some literature. I'll guarantee you they'll start accusing you. They, you know you get around a bunch of people that wants to say bad words. Listen, I go over to McDonald's every morning. Some of them come in there. They use a bad, they got a bad mouth. You say, what do you do with that? Well, first thing, when I go in, I get my food and I sit down and I say, all right, fellas, let's bless this. And I go through my blessing, Lord. Bless this food. Touch these men. They need it. Touch these fellas. Help us to stand up for you today. Bless this food to my body. Bless their food to the... When the first time I started doing that, they just looked. Now you know what they do when I come and sit down to the table and they've done eat half of theirs. They just quit eating and sit there. And one morning, I thought this is cute. There's one morning... They got me all stirred up about something. I'm a talking, I'm a talking. And I got through and I got my uh, uh, food and I started to take a bite. And they looked and said, Preacher? I said, Yeah, I like to have done it, didn't 
And they caught me. They had me busy. They just expected me to be. You know what happens when they use bad words? They'll say, if you'll get around, they'll say, Ooh, excuse me, preacher. Now, if you're around people that's a cursing all the time and they're never apologizing to you, it's because you have let the hammer down and or let the let let the truth down. They won't be comfortable around you cussing. Used to work on a public job. Now, I didn't know I was going to get on this either. I used to work on a public job over there in the plant manager. Uh, he, he would use bad language and uh, he'd look straight at me every time. And so he said something. I said, well, I can't do that. Uh, I, I, I'm supposed to talk to them and do what they want. I was talking to New York all the time to the corporate headquarters. And he said, what you need to do, Dills, is cuss them out. I said, I don't cuss. He said, transfer them to me, I'll cuss them out. I never did transfer them. Amen. And he'd look at me every time. But there were some others that when we went to eat, they'd all, and I had another preacher in there, and uh, they didn't have no confidence in him. And every time we'd go eat or something, they'd say, preacher, bless the food for us. You've got to set that standard. Now, if you run with them and listen to their jokes and laugh at their curse words and you laugh at their dirty mouth, they'll take you down. Somebody said, best thing to do is just not be around. Can you... Can you tell me where you can go in this modern day? It may be Walmart to get a can of beans. And you can be on one side of the aisle and somebody on the other side is cussing. You can't see them, but you can hear them. Are you hearing me? How do you get away from that? I'm not telling you to go run with them. I say take your stand. They'll know who you are. That's what happened here. These men's accusing them and they don't pay them no attention. Well, let's look at something else. I guess my time's are running out and I, done, I ain't got nowhere I wanted to go either. But I want you to look at verse 11. Now let's go to verse number, let's see, verse number 5. The Bible said that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psalter, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye, ye fall down and look at that word. What's it say? Worship. I told you to watch that word worship. Now the devil wants us to worship what we don't need to worship. The devil don't care. Matter of fact, he'd rather us worship him. He's always wanting your worship. From Genesis to Revelation, that word worship is mentioned many, many hundred and something times, I believe. My memory serves me correctly. But Daniel has got the word worship or worshipeth 
or something of that nature. And it's in there about 8, 9, 10, 11 times. And it's all in this one chapter. Pick them out when you get home. The only time worship is mentioned in the book of Daniel is in chapter number 3. I think it's one time it's mentioned worshipped. Another time worshipeth. In verse 11 I see it. And it's all the way down through there. Some of these verses have got it twice. And I wanted to point this out to you that the devil wants us to worship at his music. What is ruining our nation tonight? Music. Have you noticed the music? And he's been in the trying to get into in the people's minds in the in the what is it called? Rock and roll and this junk that they've got, rock um, and all the stuff in that, and uh, has then come out with rap music. And then he switches it and puts part of that in the church. He mixes some of it. And then they got what they call, and I heard one mention it, Christian rock, which is nothing Christian about it. Are you with me? And they just keep on, and they're feeding this to the children. Who loves it? I don't. And if you love God, you don't. But they're getting it on the kids because they don't know any better. You go in a place of business, and in the background, they're playing their own music. And it seems like it don't bother you. Have you ever just been sitting in a restaurant somewhere and all of a sudden, what? What is that they're playing? It finally catches on. And you say, it's been playing for the last 10 minutes since you've been there. Am I right? And the devil wants to mix all that up. Amen. You come in and uh, they even sometimes will sing something to a, a same tune. They'll sing an old rock song with the tune of gospel. Why, if Elvis Presley was back here tonight and was in good health, they'd go crazy over his gospel times. Amen. Loretta Lynn, all, all of them in the stuff that they're in today, they got it all started out of the church choir many years ago. They sure did. And so we look at that. That word worship is mentioned there. It's mentioned in verse 7. It's mentioned in verse 10. It's mentioned worshipeth in verse 11. It's mentioned in verse 12. It's mentioned in verse number 14. It's mentioned two times in verse 15. And I'm sure I missed some. Go back and look at it. Give you something to do. Cut your TV off and try to pick out all the worships. Amen. Amen. And so I look at it. And so they're given the trouble. I want you to worship. That's what he said in verse 11. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Now, I want you to look at this. The Bible said in verse 12, there are certain Jews whom 
thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. I want to point out something here. If you ever do something for, the, for God, the devil is going to get his feelings hurt. I've seen this in churches. I've seen somebody walk right, talk right, sing right, live right. And you guess what? I've seen other church members make fun of them. Well, I've, I've, been, I've been in churches and uh, people been there for 40 years in the church and somebody comes in and hadn't been in the church and uh, they're, they're just starting to, and they have a desire and they have a, you know, a, something about them that wants to do something for God. And the church has been sitting there for months and years and nobody wants to do nothing. And all of a sudden the young folks, or not young folks, but people who have just come in, and the regular member said, why does the preacher use me? Why they ain't been here but eight months or ten months. I've been here all my life and the preacher won't give me nothing to do. You know why? You won't do it. Somebody said, preacher? I'm just telling it like it is. You come to the house of God, you ought to come volunteering. I'd prove it to you. I could throw a piece of paper right there in the middle of the floor. Start a service. I'll count and see how many of you walk around it or walk over the top of it. And you wouldn't pick it up for nothing. This is the house of God. We treat the house of God like it's God's house. I come over your house and I start throwing... Taking the tables out from the, I mean the chairs out from the tables, and I set them over. I said, "I want that chair over there." You ain't gonna put up that long. That's my house. Amen. What makes you think you can treat God's house like that? Well, I'm just look at this. The Bible said in verse 11, Whoso falleth not down, the devil loves you to do one thing, bow to him. And secondly, worship him. Amen. Who are you to bow to? God. None but God. You don't bow to the church. You don't bow to the preacher. You don't bow to nobody. You just honor God's word. Amen. And we go on down. And in verse number 14, it says, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye, what's that other word, serve? He gets you to bow and get you to worship, then he's going to get you to serve him. And look, and I'm going to close with this because time doesn't run out on me. Go up here in verse number 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve... He is able. That was one of the verses tonight that was read. That's the one accident Dean got. To deliver, because he had a marker in the place of where I, he knew I was going, I guess. <laughs> 
to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not, what? Serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now you know what we need? It goes back to the first chapter. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is the earth, uh, worldly names that they gave them. And it's mentioned all through this, this chapter. They were sanctified and dedicated to God. And Daniel had already said, I purpose in my heart that I'm not going to be defiled with the king's meat, nor drink the king's wine. And that's what I was on those subjects a while ago. That's what the world wants us to do, is follow after them. Now here it is again, except these time these three boys said, if God will and wants to, he can deliver us, but if he don't, we're still not going to bow to the devil. And we need some men and women that will put purpose in their hearts that they will not bow. And if you don't bow, you won't bend. And if you don't bend, you won't burn. Amen. And that's one of the hardest things as a pastor I've ever found for a church. They won't do it. And I'll tell you why they won't do it. They love the world too much. They love sin too much. And the way the devil works in our modern day, they love their friends too much. And they love fellow church. You know what? Fellow church members too much. I don't care if you do try to entice me to drink. I'm not going to. I don't care if you do entice me to not buy a run with this word. I'm not going to listen to you. I've made up my mind. I'm for God 100%. And I ain't got no time to spend oh, running around after somebody that don't love God and His Word. I call it like I see it. I call it like the Bible teaches it. You find somebody defying the church. You find somebody arguing with the church. You find somebody that's fighting the church. You find somebody that's talking about church members. I ain't going to fool with them. They can get them a boat to China. Amen. God bless you. Heads bowed. I'm telling you tonight. One you, you got to stand for something, or you'll fall for everything. I'm telling you that is a truth. People won't give time of day to the things of God and God's people, but they'll run after every old jack leg man or woman that tries to talk against the church. This church is a sacred place. And if it's not a sacred place, we need to get our hearts right with God and we need to stand on the right side. Amen. Father, thank you tonight. Touch our hearts. Have your own way. Forgive us for our shortcomings, our faults, our failures. Lord, may we examine everything we do with the Word of God. Don't, we, don't, we, don't let us, Lord, follow after what somebody thinks. Even if it's a preacher, if it's a pastor, if it's a 
a deacon or if it's a, a, another church leader. Or Lord, just somebody that's religious and they carry a Bible. Lord, we just stay with the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to stand in the gap and try to make up the hedge the best we can. Lord, we want to get a reward on the other side. We don't want to wobble and wiggle down here standing on the wrong side. Help us, Lord, to lift our voices high. Father, we look at these boys, and we've always said, when they started that music, them fellas didn't bow, not one bit. If anything, they got up on tiptoes so they'd be higher and taller, and nobody would even think about them bowing before this image. And Lord, help us today to stand clear and true and tall and count it a joy to stand for you. Lord, you paid the price. And when you paid the price, you loved us and you proved it to us on Calvary. And Lord, you went to the grave and arose on the third day. And Lord, we love you. And Lord, we think you're worthy tonight. Lord, to suffer reproach for And I pray, God, we'll lift you high and exalt you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, girls.